0: Hey there, beautiful people. Welcome to Fan Tie. This is take two. I'm going to let y'all know this is take two because Jared wasn't recording the first go around, okay? But I'm wow, Travel Anderson. Uh,
1: is this not a safe space?
0: <laughs> I am entertainment journalist Travel Anderson. That's Jared Hill, okay? Oh, wait. You had your intro. Go.
1: Let's start a third time. <laughs> How about that? But, like, actually... New producer Lorraine, let's keep all of this in because I'm having a good time with it. I'm breaking a non-disclosure agreement by telling you that I'm Yaya Abdul-Mateen's favorite ex-boyfriend that he may or may not still hook up with, but neither one of us wants more, Jared Hill. (laughs) Coming up on the show today, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a little Anaz and an ex with a brand new album called Montero. We've got feedback from y'all. We've got clips. We've got black history. But first... Bye, a writer fast. over at Extra Magazine has something for us to talk about in Past the Popcorn. Um, they recently published a new piece with the headline, In Defense of the Meaty Tuck. The article centers on, quote, an offhand comment at a party that inspired the writer to, quote, interrogate how we police trans bodies. <laughs> the writer is Travel Anderson, an exclusive piece of tea not included in the article. The commenter it me we've got the link to the story in the show notes but we wanted to go inside the article and give a little bit of extra context to the piece discussing its central theme and then encourage you to go read it at travel's 30th birthday party they came onto the rooftop and off the elevator in a slinky dress sunglasses hair to heaven and the requisite bange. A little while later, I noticed that my sister in situation was starting to sit in a situational situation, if you know what I mean. They I pulled don't. she over to the side. <laughs> I was saying that I could see your penis sticking out. Your situation, I pulled you over to the side and whispered something into your ear to the effect of, "Honey, the girl is coming out to play." <laughs> And you played me there at the party in front of everyone and said, everybody here knows I got a penis. And thus, this article was born. Let me
0: retrack, okay, just in case they didn't understand this little intro you just put together. I wrote a I'm piece. Sorry. i wrote a piece in Extra Magazine called In Defense of the Meaty Tuck about Jared. I didn't say his name, but he outed himself about Jared being a good friend and pulling me to the side and noting that my haphazard tuck had untucked it. And so the piece is a jumping off point from that event, talking about why trans people, trans women and femmes, to be more specific, are expected to not have bulges in public. It was just something that kept playing over and over in my head for the the week or so since the party when I first started writing the piece. And I was like, oh, I think this is super interesting. But also, why do we as trans women and femmes, we literally be having to like fold ourselves into ways that other people deem to be beautiful, deem to be appropriate, and whatnot. The, the the piece was actually an opportunity for me to have this really great conversation with this professor and researcher at Arizona State University, Loretta LaMaster, about the history of the policing of bodies, and basically being able to connect the ways in which we police trans women and femmes bodies as it relates to our tux, connect that to the history and dehumanization of other black bodies in particular black women's bodies in the context of Sarah Bartman aka Hot and Tot Venus um, and connecting those two histories so that hopefully my aim with the piece is that we all will begin thinking differently about the types of bodies that show up in the world and how they are supposed to do so so that was the the, the thought the idea the intention behind the piece it wasn't it wasn't meant to put you on blast and i and to be clear i didn't put you on blast you put yourself on blast how you do it? guilt will do that to you
1: won't it oh absolutely <laughs> i felt very attacked uh no i didn't um but I'm, I'm curious like after the party what was the conversation that you were having kind of within yourself about it that that prompted you to end up writing the piece
0: I mean, I think I've, I've long had conversations with myself about tucking in particular, and I say this in the piece that like, there are very few, if any, legitimately gender neutral or non-binary clothing lines, right? They might say they're gender neutral, but they're still using the sizing conventions as it relates to men or as it relates to women, or, you know, they still have their stores sometimes in men's sections, women's sections, etc. And so I've long had conversations with myself about what truly gender neutral clothing looks like, what type of support Mm. it provides for the girls, how it lays on the body, keeping in mind that like quote-unquote women's clothing, they're made for people who don't have penises, even though some women have penises. And so because of that, the space that is available to secure, to hide, to remove, whatever, those types of things for some of us, it's just not there. And so Mm. I like I've worn dresses before and have had to tuck and tucking is not always comfortable to be clear actually it usually is not comfortable for most people I feel like even the folks who do it often who do it professionally shout out to the drag queens etc but you figure out your own way around it and so it can become less of a painful process for those for whom it is painful but yeah I've long had been like you know I wish I didn't have to tuck but then it's like no one quote unquote wants to see a penis on a rag carpet.
1: Well, that's kind of, well, not seeing a penis on a red carpet, but like one of the things I was thinking about um, from the piece that you wrote was talking about like, part of it is about aesthetics, right? Part of it is about the way you want things to look, but also part of it is about safety. And so like not wanting to feel unsafe or not wanting to, you know, draw attention to yourself in a way that would make you unsafe. Can you talk a little bit about that element of it? Because I don't think that's a part that might get considered enough
0: yeah i mean you know again go read the piece we got the link in the in the show notes But it is one of those things where like tucking, tucking has a number of uses for trans people, trans women and trans femmes to be specific. Mm -hmm. And there is the very real kind of gender euphoria that comes from tucking for some people. And those kind of personal motivations, even you talking about like an individual's, my, I'll be specific, my desire to like have a dress lay a particular way if tucking helps me achieve that, that's my own personal motivation, right? But then there are these external motivation such as safety right such as if i am you know walking down the street and my bulge is bulging but somebody who's looking at me from behind baby they see that shape and they think i am a cis woman and then i turn around and they come to see that she got a little extra package over here honey that could create some issues for 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 me and has created issues for other trans women and fems and so that is something that i bring up in the piece again for me the piece was, i just wanted it to be a conversation starter i would love to see us get to a space where trans women and fems don't feel obligated to tuck whether we're at the beach whether we're on the red carpet whether we just go into the pavilions down the street that is that kind of freedom promised land that that you know i'm trying to work toward but as i say in the piece in the event that you happen to see a trans woman or a trans femme in public and you see a little something something going on in their nether regions mind your fucking business because it ain't your business no way
1: oh well, wow! Avoided. no, I, I guess the last thing I'd love to know, because we got to get ready to go to break here, um, what kind of feedback have you gotten from the piece?
0: Um, well, I think we're in a moment where there is a lot of conversation happening about tucking. Um, the The publication Them, them.us is their website. They just did a feature maybe two or three weeks ago about tucking for trans women, particularly at the beach. That was really good. And then the fashion line uh, Chromat, C-H-R-O-M-A-T, um, they just did their New York Fashion Week line. Um, they did a pop-up at Reese Beach and all of the, their conversations kind of tagline for this year is you know they're doing suits and stuff swimsuits and stuff for the girls who don't talk Um, And so I think that we're in a moment having this conversation um, and those same folks were engaged in that conversation really enjoyed the piece. Um, Again, you know, I think it could be particularly instructive for folks outside of the trans community, outside of the community that needs to talk. And so I hope that those folks are the ones reading it, taking some, you know, introspection and again, minding their fucking business.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to mind my fucking business or at least the business that pays me with some advertisements here in a moment. But when we come back, we're going to talk about (laughs) Little Lines X and the brand new album Montero, what we love, what we're concerned about, and the questions that we have to ask. That's coming up next. Did you know that you spend one third of your life
0: sleeping? No, you didn't. Because I didn't either. It's All right. All right. (laughs) Fat is brought to you by the folks over at Brooklyn, and okay? They want to make sure that that third of your life is comfortable, It's luxurious, that you feel like uh, a nice, cool hug when you get into the bed at night, all right? They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury-level markups. So you get their amazing array of products at a reasonable price, all right? They're so confident in their core products. They have a 365-day warranty, okay? And listen Most folks I, I Listen I, I, I can't tell you Nobody who got Brooklyn And who didn't like it Okay So go on and be part Of the Brooklyn and Hive I'm gonna call it The Brooklyn and Hive Alright They've received Over 75,000 Five star reviews And counting And guess what You could be The next one Alright So give yourself The comfort refresh you deserve and get it for less at Brooklinen, okay? Go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code FANTI to get $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100, okay? That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code FANTI for $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's brooklinen.com, promo code FANTI.
1: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have. Life can be stressful. We've all got crazy work schedules or families or people in our lives that might be running us a little bit low. I'm not talking from experience, but I'm talking from experience. You may not be feeling down and out or depressed or like you're at a total loss, but if your stress is high, you could probably use the chance to unload. Unload it and get it out. Talk to someone who's completely unbiased about your life. Someone who isn't going to judge you or take sides on anything. You'll be surprised at how much it can help. And let me tell you, gardening is not therapy. Honey, talking to your girl is not therapy. (laughs) Going and shopping is not therapy. None of that shit is therapy. Therapy is therapy, okay? BetterHelp is customized online therapy that helps offer video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, and it can be more affordable than in-person therapy. See if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Fanti listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Have your first session in under 48 hours at B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash Fantae. Also, if you have five minutes to spare, we could use your help with an audience survey. Go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey to fill it out. It can help our show get a little extra income through ads that are relevant to you. So thank you so much. The survey ends September 24th. So hurry up, please.
0: All righty, beautiful people. Welcome back. The time has come Montero Lamar Hill has released his debut eponymous album okay and the girls can't take it we just wanted to say eponymous I did I wanted to
1: sound a little smart you know Mm. They said that on Pop Culture Happy Hour when we talked about it. And I was like, "Mm, good SAT word, good Mm -hmm. SAT word. Great, right? Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, we've spoken about Lil Nas X before on this show because, you know, she's been out here doing what needs to be done as an openly gay black man in hip hop and music. But today is our opportunity to go a little bit deeper. We're going to detail what we love about the album, but also open the conversation up to discuss the man, the artist at this position early career moment now you know we did record an episode of pop culture happy hour as jared just mentioned so if you are joining us after listening to that great welcome to the Fantai fam make sure you hit that subscribe button and if you haven't listened to that conversation you can listen to it afterwards you don't need to listen to it in order to engage in the conversation that we're going to have today we're going to take care of you nonetheless and so to get us started, I would love to hear Jarrett your initial first impressions, initial takeaways after listening to Montero.
1: I have to tell you, I'm I have a little bit of guilt about my first impression because I have not been taking Montero Lamar Hill very seriously. I've been like entertained by him. I've Listen to some of the songs. I've watched the videos. We've obviously talked about him here. But I wasn't really taking him seriously as an artist so much as taking him seriously... I wasn't taking him seriously as anything, right? I was just like, he's entertaining. He's fun. We have a good time. Honey, we always love a barb, and it is what it is. Well, we um, always love
0: a barb. I mean,
1: we oftentimes don't like a barb, uh, but it just <laughs> sounded really good in the <laughs> sentence there. Um, but after listening to Montero, I'm really impressed and intrigued by Lil Nas X. I think of him now a lot differently than I did even before having to listen to it four times over the last mm, 18 hours. And I, I'm i intrigued by him as a creator. I'm intrigued by him as a creator. I'm intrigued by him as an artist. I'm intrigued by him as a young person who very clearly has something that he wants to say and convey. Um, and I'm... I'm actually more interested in him now after this first album. Um, I'm gonna give you my uh, my clip first uh, of like the one of the songs that I really really enjoy. Um, the song is called "Sun Goes Down," um, and I'll let you take a listen, and we'll talk about it on the other side. Since 10, I've been feeling lonely, have friends, but they was picking on me. I was thinking when my lips so big, was I too dark and it since my fears. These gay thoughts would always on me. I pray God would take it from me. It's hard for you when you're fighting, and nobody knows it when you're
0: silent. i would be by the phone.
1: So I picked this clip because this is one of the moments when I was listening to it, probably the second or third time that I heard and felt like I related to. And I thought like, I know what it's like to be that 10 year old kid feeling like that and feeling like, no one's understanding what you're going through. And I think that this album ended up being really personal in a way that I didn't expect. So we can get into that a little bit later. But Travel, what were your first impressions?
0: I mean, I loved it. I think there's no skips, like zero skips. I said this on Pop Culture Happy Hour. But, you know, I think Lil Nas X, makes music for people who who live and stand at the intersections of life. Um, and what I mean is like, you know, black queer folks, anybody who has, I won't go down a long list, anybody who has like felt like they have been like a, an insider outside, you know, to me, Lil Nas X, as do black queer people specifically, right? We have like a Timbaland Boot, On one end and a high heel on the other. Okay, so there is this landmark black feminist text that comes to mind. It is all the women are white. All the Blacks are men, but some of us are brave is the name of the book. And it's like this landmark, like collection of essays of Black feminists, Black women's studies theory. And I'm going to use that and I'm going to interpolate it and remix it for this conversation, right? Interpolate I feel like in our culture, <laughs> I feel like in our culture, right, in most, in so many people's heads, all of the Blacks are straight and all of the gays are white. And I feel like what Lil Nas X is doing with this album, and I'm gonna—I know y'all think I'm deep already, but wait until we get to the fan section, okay? I promise you, shut up. But what I think is happening here is like Lil Nas X is making music for people who who are forced to find love for themselves in a world that doesn't love them. Mm. Like, I said this on Pop Culture Happy Hour as well. Lil Nas X makes music for people who know all the words to The Boy Is Mine, as well as why Carrie Underwood took a Louisville Slugger to both headlights, okay? Like, it gives a range of all of that.
1: And if I said, it's about to be a girl fight, like, they would know <laughs> what was going on, right? If I, if I came in with a Sunshine Anderson moment, you would know what I was talking about. You probably are enjoying the Lil Nas X album.
0: Period. And, and and that is, I, I feel like that's very specific, but it's also like super universal and we're going to get into it more, but we're going to flip our typical structure instead of doing the fan first and then the anti, we want to leave a good taste in your mouth. All right, y'all. So we are going to start with the anti segment first, talking our questions, comments, concerns about Lil Nas, about the album, and then we're going to get into what we love about it. So Kick us off, Jared, what 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 comes to mind when you think of like some, some consternation that Lil Nas or the album brings up for you?
1: Well, one of the complicados for me, you and I talked about, I said complicado, heard myself say avocado, and now I want guacamole. But I <laughs> what is <happening>? wondered where <laughs> Nicki Minaj was on this album, right? There's so many really good features that really work on here. And I was like... I'm oh. kind of surprised there's not a Nicki Minaj feature. But then I'm also really glad there's not a Nicki Minaj feature on this album, considering the last three weeks we've had with her.
0: It's interesting you went straight there to Nicki. Why? One, it wasn't a thought that came to mind. Like, I wasn't... It was
1: one of the first things I thought.
0: I don't listen to music, and even this specifically this album, and think, oh, such and such should have been on this album. Or I was expecting this feature. That's not, that's not something that, that ever factors into my thinking. So that's why I think it's interesting.
1: When I first, like, pulled up the album, I looked at all... I was like, oh, there's some really cool features. Oh, I see Meg. Oh, I see Doja. This is interesting. And then I immediately thought, like, oh, there's no Nicki. And, like, for people that don't have the context with with Lil Nas X, you know, Lil Nas X started off as, like, a Nicki Minaj uh, stan on Twitter who, you know, was a Barb and became... Lil Nas X so
0: I would like to say as y'all know we record this on Tuesday afternoons Lil Nas did do a hashtag ask Montero situation on Twitter somebody asked Lil Nas X what song he sent to to Nikki and he said that he sent Industry Baby to her Mm. now it's not clear if he sent it to her to see if she wanted to hop on the track or if it was just like, a, hey, this is my next song coming out. Hope you can share it
1: or something like can that. Can you imagine <laughs> if in that video, like, Nikki comes out and she's the warden? I just, I am, I, it's very complex and complicado for me because I, I really enjoy Lil Nas X. And I am a Nikki fan, but Nikki's had her own little moment right now that I'm not enjoying.
0: The episode is coming, people. It's coming.
1: The episode is coming very soon. We'll just mm-hmm. put it that way. One of the other concerns or thoughts or questions that I'm, I'm having about Lil Nas X is I feel like it could be very easy for him to go down, like, say, a Todrick Hall path. Yikes. Right? Or... Maybe more of a Frank Ocean kind of path or maybe there will be a uniquely, just, I think, kind of yikes for Frank Ocean. I'm not exactly sure.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Let's unpack that. What do you mean in terms of like your fear or your concern that he might go down either the Todrick lane or, or Frank Ocean? I I want I want more Todrick there. Todrick
1: Hall has a bit of a reputation for not really embracing blackness and black culture and black creators and... When you see Todrick on social media with a lot of people, oftentimes they tend to be white people and not black people. And I've said here on the show before, I always raise an eyebrow and have a question mark whenever I see black folks that don't have a lot of black friends. Not to say that Todrick doesn't have black friends, but like Todrick seems to be surrounded by a lot of people who are not black. And I'm... I think that that has an influence on the way that Tadrick is received in the culture. I don't even know that that's necessarily wrong or bad, but it is definitely an observation that has been made and discussed um, about Tadrick in the past. And
0: so you're saying, if I hear you correctly, that you thought or feared or perhaps still fear that because of his success or because of where he's at in his career, I'm talking about Lil Nas X, that the black of it all might disappear is what you're saying. You're nervous about it. I don't
1: know. I feel like I'm a little less concerned about it now after the album. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's definitely been something that's kind of been sitting in the back of my mind. Again, this album is like decidedly black. He's he's very, he seems like he's embracing who he is. But I also, I'm just, I'm curious to see where that's going to go.
0: And then what about the Frank Ocean?
1: I think the Frank Ocean thing is like, Frank Ocean came out and was like this amazing talent who everyone fell in love with immediately as a talent. But then like... Really, kind of withered away. I think we saw Frank huh. Ocean perform multiple times in in like live performances. And like one of the things that I do have an appreciation for with Lil Nas X is he's not really a great performer, but he's trying really hard, and I appreciate that. Whereas I know that I've heard about Frank Ocean before that he's not like as comfortable on stage, and that's why the performances were so bad.
0: That's interesting because I don't I don't think that Frank Ocean is a performer. I don't think that is where he focuses his his artistry. He's a I, stand on the stage and deliver type of artist to me in a way that like the other rappers that we might be discussing, including a little Nas X, like their music isn't a stand around, the st- stand on the stage and deliver type of music. Frank Ocean's gives me that though.
1: That's interesting. I look at it more from the lens of like the long-term trajectory kind of thing. Like Frank Ocean was also very personal and like really connected with his feels and all that kind of stuff, and then kind of disappeared. And so I look at Lil Nas X and I think to myself like, I wonder where Lil Nas X will be in a year, in three years, in five years. Because I think that he's really talented and, and has like a decided perspective that we've seen in this album. And I'm just really curious, like what is the trajectory gonna be? Because I think he's really talented and has something really special. And so that's interesting to me.
0: This gets to one of my questions, comments, concerns as it relates to him. And actually, Deshaun L. Harrison mentioned this on the No Sissies episode when we talked about Industry Baby, the Industry Baby video and song. And Deshaun mentioned about how there's an element of performative queerness that we sense From this stage of his career, because he's young, because he's a first, and that calls back to the episode last week, the the trailblazer fatigue episode, right? There's so much pressure that I feel Lil Nas X is under to where some of the demonstrations of who he is and how he shows up in the world do feel performative. They do feel for shock. Mind you, I don't say that as a negative to be clear, but that's to say. I wonder when he finally settles into his body when he settles and when I say into his body I don't mean the look of his body I mean the 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 truth of his, his humanity yeah. right and, and, and who he is and his identity I am interested to see what that artist looks like and how that mm-hmm. artist moves and in 2021 I think it's also tough to compare him to those folks that you mentioned because we are in a different it's a different game you know these Absolutely. days and I think he does it amazingly and then I'll lastly I'll just say before we jump to the fan portion I do as a lover of music as somebody who loves those old school tracks where it's two minutes of instrumentals at the beginning before you hear a single word I do feel like the these 15 tracks are super short and I know that's a byproduct of the moment that we are in industry-wise, but the songs are too short.
1: Well, it's so interesting that you say that because I remember listening, I think the song is called Void, and I remember looking at it as it was playing and I was doing work or whatever, and seeing like how long the track was and it was four minutes and I was like, revolutionary, right? But like most of the tracks aren't that long. Um, And I mean, that is a product of the time that we're in right now with streaming. They want songs to be shorter so people can get on to the next one.
0: Right. One last thing that, that, I hate to be this person to say this, But this would have been a great opportunity to see him platform, put on, support another black queer artist, and particularly a black gay rapper. Like Nicki Minaj.
1: Sorry, bisexual. It's a thing. <laughs> <I> <laughs> can't with you, um, but no,
0: like a like a Chica, like a Cakes Killer, like a Dre Bay, like a Kid Ken. So, hell, Saucy Santana having a little moment. Like, and and this is and and, and I, I want to be clear. The a reason Michael why Kilgore, I said, a Victor Jackson. Uh, anybody, listen, okay. What M- Michael could have killed that song. I am. What is it? Am I dreaming that uh, Molly Cyrus is on? The reason why I say I hate to be that person because it's like, listen. He can have his album be and feature whoever the hell he wants his album to be and feature. And there's all this other, you know, jockeying that I'm sure happens behind the scenes. But it just would have been so cool and so great. And there was a picture of Lil Nas X at some event in the last week that he took with Kid Ken and another black gay rapper who were at the event so like that was good to see but like this was definitely a missed opportunity to me so that he doesn't have to be the only one to bring somebody with Mm -hmm. you right on the platform in the level that you have like it would have been great to see him pull up a cakes tequila who's been at this game for a minute to give some homage and some recognition in the ways that he pays homage and recognition, I think, to Elton John and Billy Porter in those particular, uh, I think Billy Porter's in the That's What I Want video, and then Elton John is a feature on um, one of the tracks. So those are all of my questions, comments, concerns, go.
1: Let's get into the fan though, because overall, we both really, really love this album, which is why we're doing the fan (laughs) a,
0: It's a a 12 out of 10 for me, (laughs) Johanna.
1: The number one thing I kept thinking to myself was, you remember Usher's album, Confessions, where almost every song on it was a single? Mm -hmm. I felt like so much of this album would work on the radio. And so much of this album, like, I could see as playing in the club or, you know, hearing it, like, on an elevator or being in a grocery store. Like, mind you, clean versions. But, like, I I just (laughs) thought, like, this album could last Lil Nas X for a really long time.
0: Well, Old Town Road lasted him two years. I think thing to also for us to keep in mind, again, like we mentioned, like, you know, it's a it's a different game. And I this is one of the things I wanna say that I like about Lil Nas X as an artist is that like he understands the marketing of it all. He understands that albums these days are made and broken on Twitter and TikTok. Like it, it, it's not even About Apple Music right it's about like What is the cultural conversation around Your album right and so all of the Marketing that he's been doing you know It's been a little controversial or whatever but all of that Gets people talking even more right Like it makes me think of the ways in Which everybody applauded Drake for being a genius with His album cover and the ways Different brands and different people kind Of iterated off of that but like I feel like Lil Nas X deserves Some credit too because he 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 is on the tongue the tips of everybody's tongue with this album Absolutely. he's got everything he's got and and he's been teasing these tracks For at least a year on his TikTok. If you follow him on TikTok. Right. And so like he know. And I think that's one of the ways in which he's able to say. Oh this is. This beat will hit. Right. Like the Mm -hmm. girls are going to go up for this. Let me build off it. He's like but did you see the comments
1: bitch. Period.
0: (laughs) You know. And so like I think that's the main thing I want to say. That like I love. And I want to uplift about what he's doing. Is because he understands music for 2021. But. Is still giving us good content. Like he's not just doing a short song just to do a short song. It the the everything feels complete, but makes me want mm-hmm. more. Right, which yeah. I think is what what, what you want to kind of perfect.
1: I also am really curious to see where he's going to go next. And I mean, I'm sure there's a tour, or you know, those are the things that we kind of expect after an album. But like, I'm really curious to know, like, can Lil Nas act? Like, can Luna's ex, like, no. do something? I'm curious to see what, what more he will do over the course of his career. I, I don't mean tomorrow. I don't expect him to be, like, a, in a feature film, like, as a leading person, oh, as a leading man. Clear, but like,
0: To be clear, my face that you saw wasn't the fact that, like, he's not going to do it. It's that he, his performances thus far in all of his marketing material shows us that he can't act. But what we also know, yes. you and I know that in this industry, you don't have to act to be able to be an actor. OK, no shade. But there's a lot of the girls who struggling. OK, and they own your favorite TV
1: shows. Right. But I'm gonna mind my business. Wow. Um, we said nothing about the Emmys today. Um, the other thing <laughs> yeah. that I'm thinking about, uh, <laughs> I talked about this on Pop Culture Happy Hour and I, I said, like, back in college, um, me and the homosexuals, who I convened with the most, we used to always talk about the divas as the black kids are wont to do. Um, and we would put them in three categories, one being recording artist, one being singer, and the highest being vocalist. However, I think we need to add another, another layer in there. I'm not exactly sure where it goes, but I think it goes between recording artist and singer. I think we need to just have a better appreciation for, uh, for a talent being an artist. Right, and I think that as we look at Lil Nas X, Lil Nas X has shown us that he is an artist. Right, he is really, really immersed in visuals, in the messaging, in the writing the album covers the all of this stuff that he's that he has put out all of it screams to me that someone has thought about this right that there was a direction and that we have been on a path that we didn't even know that we were on necessarily for the longest time bringing us to this album so i've i've really really appreciated that about uh, Montero as an album and him as an Artist I to that
0: point I want To play a quick clip of a Song it's called that's what I want um, And I think he This is this it. is one of the songs that he released A a, a visual for he, he released like seven or eight visuals um, One of Them or two of them are actual Music videos and then the others Are these kind of ethereal Dreamscape type visuals really they're really interesting get into it but this song is called That's What I Want take a listen
1: I want someone to love me I need someone who needs me Cause it don't feel right when it's late at night and it's just me and my dreams so I want
0: so I love that song, one, and I also love the video because the video, there's a story happening, and I think to one of your points about him being an artist, being interested in the visuals, I feel like he's part of this generation now of, of rap artists, singers that are like trying to revive the music video right? Like, mm. I'm thinking of Doja's videos, I'm thinking of Cardi's videos, I'm thinking of Meg Thee Stallion's videos. Hell, Chloe Chloe, um, Chloe Bailey's Bailey. most recent video, right? Normani's videos. I feel like people yeah. are no longer just, like, throwing away the music video, or it's no longer just them standing in a, in, a, in a room. I feel like there was a period, right? Late 90s, early 2000s, where, like, the music video was it, girl. The TRL well,
1: of it all, the, the 106 in Park, that's a really good point because I, I did not realize how not watching like MTV as a kid or a teenager or however old I was I guess, um, probably like mid to late teens, how many music videos I started missing And the only way that that even came back up for me was when I was realizing, like, I was watching the VMAs over the last few years and being like, I've never seen this video, right? Like, (laughs) I don't even know what this video is. I didn't even realize there was a video to this. Um, And like, I think that we have seen kind of a resurgence of music videos, which is interesting. And I don't know if it's because, I mean, YouTube has always been like a great place for music videos and they get, you know, millions and sometimes I think even billions of streams or at least hundreds of millions. But I think that we live in an age that is so video heavy, right? Instagram is so, Instagram and TikTok is so much about like short videos and things like that, little clips, but not necessarily like a whole video, but like TikTok now you can do a video that's up to three minutes. And so, I think we are kind of seeing like more of a push for like the videos to be something that has some more value, right? That people are going to want to share and watch and replay. Um, and like Lil Nas X has really, really committed to being like to have videos being moments um, in his career. And I'm, I'm excited to see where that will go uh, over the course of his career as well.
0: I also love that track. That's what I want because it, it reminds me of. Um... Hey Mickey. Hey Mickey. Y'all so fine? Y'all so, hey, so, so fine, It's so you're catchy. Hey, you know, like th- that mm-hmm. feels like a track that I'm going to hear on plenty of soundtracks in plenty of movies. It's super, it's just super, it's it's just so goddamn good, Jesus.
1: I you you mentioned um the this video specifically. I love That's What I Want um as a video. I also want to just shout out that like there is a uh, there, the dancer well, the, the love interest in the video is obviously the dancer that we've seen um, kiss him on stage and all these other things, it's his and' it's speculated to be his boyfriend, right? We've, we've not confirmed that. I but think like, it's confirmed now, my love. Okay, well, great. Um, I feel a I feel a, a particular way about it because like the 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 dancer's name is Yai Ariza, and I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. But like I first saw Yai in another video when a mm-hmm. bunch of homosexuals did another version of WAP. And he was in that video as a dancer, and I was like, oh my God, he's so dope, and he's not ugly. Um, and so I was following him, and then I saw him starting to pop up on stage with Lil Nas X, and so like, now that I'm watching Yaya Ariza with Lil Nas X in all these videos, I feel like a very excited parent, but I'm also very protective. Like, now don't hurt him, like, cause- I'm thinking y'all are like 22. Y'all are super young. I'm watching that video and excited to see like this black queer love thing happening. But I'm also very protective.
0: Okay. Yeah. But that ain't our place. Cause guess what? He need a little heartbreak. it's going to come no 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 no. we have to be my spirit we we, uh, i understand but what i'm saying is like because this is something that he is going he is currently dealing with right which is our as black queer people the stuff that we are projecting upon him right and what i'm saying is that Oh, absolutely right and so what i'm saying is just that like you know the likelihood that he is going to be in this relationship with this boy for 30 years is slim. You know, let's I'll give, I'll give it 30 percent. Right. But like that's that is the nature of relationships. I say this as somebody who thought they were going to be married by this point in their life and is not. Right. So, well, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, and so like it, 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 it happens. Um, and I, I want talking to afford me, talking him me through this. I want him, I'm just saying I want to afford him the space to not feel like he has to stick in this relationship because of visibility, because of representation. And I feel like a little bit of what we're getting in terms of how performative and how, quote unquote, extra he's being, which I love to be clear. But part of that is because of all of the pressures that are being foisted upon him. And I don't I wanna to try to not do that myself. I want him to give me the music that he wants to give me, and I'm either gonna love it or I'm not, but I wanna provide him the space that we provide everyone else, right? To be to have these undulating careers, to have these undulating personal, private, and you know, professional lives. Last thing I wanted to say before we go is I do wanna note kind of what I feel is like this, like. I don't know if it's Afrofuturism, but I'm going to call it that for the sake of not having another word, by which I mean from the album cover to these other visuals that aren't music videos, it feels as if he's created, hell, even Montero, right? Um, And we can go further back to, to the Panini video. He's kind of created this like CGI world, for himself, um, for, for Lil Nas X to kind of go through and explore these different feelings. Um, and I just love the world building that I feel like he is doing and that we are witnessing. And so I just, I just wanted to say that. Um, and, and I have a clip to specifically um, <laughs> describe what I, what I mean, what I feel when I say that I love this album. Talented, brilliant, incredible, amazing, show-stopping, spectacular, never the same, totally unique, completely not ever been done before, unafraid to reference or not reference, put it in a blender, shit on it, vomit on it, eat it, give birth to it. That is how I feel about this album, period. Shout out to Lady
1: Gaga. I feel like we just learned about like her porn diet or something. My The thing that I find really great about this album beyond like specifically it just being so personal is like I love that I'm hearing Lil Nas X talk about anxiety and being depressed and being sad and being suicidal but also like loving his life and the reasons that you know there and are to live. and getting scooped up I... shout out to scoop getting scooped up Come for on. that hookup, honey And, like, I'm excited about it because I feel like we live in a time where people are having more conversations about mental health. And I feel like we've, in this album, we get, like, a real glimpse at, like, what the last two years has been like for Lil Nas X. Um, My clip is uh, one of the songs where it's very clear that he's talking to, you know, his parents about the ways that they've treated him. And, you know, now that he is famous, what that has felt like. Um, this song is called Dead Right Now. Take a listen. Everything
0: goes suicide when I be here. Then they all come around and the here. When you get this rich and famous, everybody come to you singing Hallelujah, how'd you do it? yeah You've been on my
1: mind, you been running through it, yeah. Hallelujah, how'd you do it? You've been on my mind, you've been running through it, yo. So, I... <laughs> number one you and i both love the hallelujah moment because we are church who queens. we are um but yes um but also like throughout that song he's talking about like his father kind of popping back up after him being famous right and like wanting to have an attachment with him and wanting to connect and he's saying like i'm gonna act like you're dead right now because like that's who you've been to me you all are, of these you years dead coming up into this moment Right, and so <clears throat> I just love the conversations that we're getting to hear him have in this in this album, and I'm really really excited to see what comes next from him. We want to know what y'all think about Montero, um, the eponymous album from Lil Nas X? Um, let us know what you think as you get online. You can tweet at us or hit us on Instagram with the hashtag #FantiFam. We'll be jumping in and responding to your posts. Um, we are at #FantiPodcast on both platforms. Coming up, why y'all hate us so much in listener feedback and our dishonorable mentions. We'll be right back.
0: Congratulations, you've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers (laughs) Wow, well this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast Wonderful It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy and you just heard Griffin McElroy and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely so.
0: you cannot because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread.
1: You can find new episodes on
0: Wednesdays. So catch, catch the wave. Hey, it's John Moe, and look, these are challenging times for our mental and emotional health. I get it. That's why I'm so excited for my new podcast, Depression Mode. We're tackling depression, anxiety, trauma, stress, the kinds of things that are just super common but don't get talked about nearly enough. Conversations that are illuminating, honest, and sometimes pretty funny with folks like Kelsey Dara, Open Mike Eagle, and Patton Oswald. Humphrey Bogart was never in therapy. And then my dad said, Yeah, but he smoked a carton of cigarettes a day. So he was in therapy.
1: Plus, psychiatrists, psychologists,
0: and all kinds of folks. On Depression Mode, we're working together, learning, helping each other out. We're a team. Join our team. Depression Mode for maximum fun, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, beautiful people, we're going to get into our listener feedback segment. We have a letter here from Josh, um, and they say, this is Josh from Atlanta. I sent in thoughts about depression a few episodes back, and generally thank you for your response. I listened to your words of objectivity Um, over and over when I was at my worst and it really helped me make it to another day. Additionally, I binged all of depression mode after your recommendation. I'll be listening to that show from now on too. I wanted to ask a question about work. I'm still struggling and working two jobs to make ends meet. Job market is crazy, y'all. I've been applying to remote jobs, but the hundreds with nothing but denials. Are there jobs or companies that you could recommend that make efforts to dismantle oppressive systems like white supremacy or patriarchy? I feel like this should be a deal breaker, but having scoured for months, I'm wondering if I'm being too selective or if they just don't want me. This is far from being a problem exclusive to me, and I know that others have had similar frustrations in the past year since the pandemic. I just can't help but feel like I'm not good enough or that I'm somehow doing something wrong by expressing the negative nature of my deal breaker to potential employers. Advice?
1: Uh, I got nothing. What you got?
0: Here's the thing. I don't think any company is going to do everything. It's going to check all your, you know, Progressive boxes, you know, because we live in a capitalistic society and that just is what it is. If these are your deal breakers, they're your deal breakers, but you have to just be, I think, cognizant of the ramifications of your deal breakers. Your deal breakers mean that you won't be getting, you won't be working with the people who break the deal right now that may cause some other undue hardship for you because of those deal breakers but if it's a deal breaker you've got to be willing to deal with those ramifications
1: when i'm thinking about this i have to be less concerned about like the company and their ethos because every major corporation has some white man that gave money to donald trump but i do think to myself about like the people i have to work with on a day-to-day basis right and i think that if you can vibe well with the people that you're going to work with, I think that's going to make a big difference in your day-to-day life rather than, like, if, you know, written into their company policy that they did X, Y, Z. If that makes sense? No, I think that makes perfect
0: sense. I think it's completely legitimate... You and I have been probably doing this in our various meetings that we've been having, but like asking your potential employer, like what was your company's response to the summer of 2020? I think those are legitimate questions to ask, asking them what is their policy, particularly as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Do they have a de special? Like, I think those are valid and legitimate questions.
1: I will always look at, and I've said this on a show a while ago, but like I will always look at a company's like Instagram and social media profiles because I want to see the face, of the people that they're marketing. And like if it's all white or if it's you know if, it, if it's not very diverse, I always find that as like an interesting indicator of who they think they represent themselves to be and who they think their audience is or who their customer is. That's one of the, the quick things that I often do when like I'm introduced to a new brand or I'm, I'm intrigued by a company or you know want to buy something online or something. I will go and look at their Instagram page and see what that looks like.
0: Last thing I'll say is also check out the organizations, the companies, the entities that this potential employer donate to. Do they help sponsor the local chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists? Do they give money to the Trevor Project or GLAD or whatever, right? Because like
1: there are some companies that you shouldn't be working for at all, okay? No shame. Unless they make a really good waffle fry. (laughs) <laughs> um let's move on let's move on to our dishonorable mentions uh these are the stories or people that got our attention this week that deserve a call out either for their good or for their stupid um i'm going to give a, a few things here i, I Two of them are going to be shorts that I'm really really excited about. Um, if you have Disney Plus, you'll have access to these two shorts. Short films. Yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry, short films. Um, the first one is called Twenty Something. It is a beautiful piece that is done. Like I said, it's on Disney Plus, and what's really really fantastic about it is it is a short that is by a black woman that is kind of discussing who we are as adults, right? And so I really, really enjoyed it. It's only 10 minutes long, and you can kind of jump into it. Um, it's uh, by Spark Shorts as a series over on uh, on Disney+. Plus. It's great for kids, it's great for adults. It's just a really, really fantastic short. Um, the second short I wanna point out is called Us Again. One of my favorite shorts, it's six-ish minutes long, beautiful and exciting and fun and emotional. They do a lot in six minutes, let me tell you. I want to also shout out that my friend Tiffany, who Travel knows and uh, is a fan of the show, she suggested both of them and because she heard that I was putting them into the show that I needed to say that she's the person that introduced them to me because she wanted to hear her name on the show. (laughs) Um, I also want to shout out to Jess, who is is in an interesting spot because she's gone back to the beginning of the Fantai catalog. I
0: thought you said this was going to be quick.
1: And working her way up to current episodes. So she's not even going to hear me talk about this until probably the top of 2022 because she's going through it. So shout out to Jess whenever you hear this. Finally, I want to shout out to a friend, uh, Chris Strickland. He hosts a, sh- a podcast called We Got to Hang Out and he is a black man who is a cyclist. And like Chris is having really interesting conversations with people in the cycling community. And it's a community that I've never really considered as black cyclists. Um, This weekend I had the opportunity to go to a panel. Well, it was a live recording of, we got to hang out um, and they had some really extraordinary um, black cyclists or cycling stars. Justin Williams was one of them and he's on the cover of bicycle magazine right now. And we all ended up having dinner and talking and like, I just, it's a a community of people that I've never even really considered, you know, black cyclists um, and the challenge that they have within the cycling community. So I wanna give a shout out to Justin Williams and all the black folks out there making history, leading industries, and also the black folks that aren't necessarily number one, but that are working their asses off, whether it's to support themselves or their families or their communities, their dreams. And also shout out to all of those folks And that's it
0: for me. What you got? I'll just do two mentions to get us up out of here. First and foremost, we need to have a convention with the Barb's. And by convention, I mean intervention.
1: Like get them all in one place together? Because that sounds like a
0: bad idea. Yes. Get them all in one place together. Okay. And then... Play
1: Cardi B. (laughs)
0: But I want to play this, like, news report. Okay, long story short, Nicki Minaj, you know, tweeted out some, like, you know, questionable stuff as it relates to the vaccine. Take a listen. We are here because CDC has been lying to us for so long. Nicki Minaj fans in Atlanta say they trust her medical advice about the COVID-19 vaccine. Nicki, the queen of rock, Mm -hmm. stand up. Nicki, multiple platinum plaques, stand up.
1: Who are these people? Like I don't know what's going on
0: with the barbers, but baby, this this is why, okay, people need to read.
1: We also don't mean Nicki Minaj's Twitter feed. Like, don't read that.
0: But I say read, don't be, because, you know, Nicki Minaj said she's going to do her own research. Girl, don't do your own research. Go to the CDC, sis. And then my last honorable mention, my last honorable mention, it's kind of an honorable mention and a dishonorable mention all in one. For whoever is out there in the Big Brother hive who is watching Big Brother this season, I I wanna give a shout out to The Cookout.
1: I love that you watch these shows because I'm always surprised by the shows that you're watching. She gives you range, honey, okay? I do it all, okay? Mm, I could get into Big Brother if I needed to.
0: Oh, listen, anyway, The Cookout is the first ever six-person alliance, if I'm not mistaken, to make it to the final six. Oh, shit. And they all niggas. Oh. For the first time in the history of the show, there will be a black winner of
1: Big Brother. Shout out to the Big Brother Negroidian coalition delegation
0: I, but let me be clear because this goes to my other part I want to give an honorable mention to Tiffany who well at this point you, if you watching Big Brother you should be caught up if you not you might want to pause this right now I gave you your second shout out to Tiffany Tiffany who went home she was the first of the six to go home at this point in the game but she was the one who orchestrated the whole plan and the vision to get the six black people all the way to the end she went home and then I'm just gonna say Xavier I'm disappointed in you bruh I'm disappointed in you but that's okay I'm keeping my eye out we got a couple more weeks to go um so I just wanted to give a shout out to the cookout because y'all deserve all right
1: God damn it, don't make me go back and watch this.
0: <laughs> Goodbye. Anyway, before we get out of here, obviously, we have our Black History is Happening Every Day. So this week's Black History Moment goes to the one and only Michaela Cole, the creator, writer, star, and director of I May Destroy You, made history this past weekend, becoming the first Black woman to win an Emmy for writing for a limited series. Absolutely one of the best shows of the last decade, if not the century by far. Here's a bit from her moving speech for all of the writers out there. I just wrote a little something for writers, really, um... Write the tale that scares you, that makes you feel uncertain, that isn't comfortable, I dare you. In a world that entices us to browse through the lives of others to help us better determine how we feel about ourselves and to in turn feel the need to be constantly visible, for visibility these days seems to somehow equate to success. Do not be afraid to disappear. From it, from us, for a while, and see what comes to you in the silence. You know what? Everything that she's speaking about, you know, I'm I, I'm not gonna say we said it first because we did we didn't say it first. But you know, we did the rest episode. We talked about trailblazer fatigue. We did the.
1: Terrell said we might not have said it first, but we said it before she did. <laughs> I was just saying that to
0: say, we need to figure out a way to get Michaela on the show.
1: Honey, she said, I don't know if you heard, but I'm trying to not be visible. I don't want to be on your stupid pocket.
0: (laughs) She's like, I'm trying to disappear, motherfucker. Also, quick shout out to Debbie Allen, who also got the Governor's Award at the Emmys. The first black woman, I believe, to get that award as well. We know she's a legend and an icon and all of that. So shout out to her as well.
1: All right. Shout out to her and the clock that she shot all over. Um, We want to give y'all a heads up that we have an episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour that we are a part of that also comes out on the same day as this episode. Um, If you're listening to it when it drops, it comes out on Thursday. Um, We are talking about Lil Nas X. It's a very different conversation than this conversation. So if you're really into uh, the Lil Nas X conversation, that is a great one for you to go and check
0: out. Yes. And then I also made an appearance on Depress Mode, which we've mentioned, uh, I think, once this episode already. I was a guest with our fave from Pop Culture Happy Hour, Linda Holmes, talking about depression and mental health on screen. So that was a really, really fun episode. Check that out if you are so inclined.
1: And if this conversation piqued your interest and- I don't know. Maybe you want a little bit more of this. Good, good. You can check out other episodes that have related conversation. I think a great one to go listen to right now, if you're not going to go listen to Pop Culture Happy Hour, would be Beyonce is King. It's episode 27 where we dig into Black is King, Beyonce is um, Lion King reinterpretation on Disney+. Plus. That being said, we thank you so much for listening. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we ask that you leave us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the show. If you have a comment or a suggestion about this week's show, Tweet at us at Fanta Podcast, or you can follow us on Instagram and do the same. Use the hashtag FantiFam. You can send us an email at Fanti at MaximumFun.org. That's Fanti at MaximumFun.org. And if you'd like to
0: become a financially contributing member of the Fanta Fam, you can go on or hop on over to MaximumFun.org slash join, okay? And give us a little, little cup of coins, you know, a little something, something, you know, help me get, you know, uh, a medium-sized pizza or something like that. Was that
1: a Phaedra Parks reference?
0: It wasn't, but I I'll take it. <laughs> our music is brought to you by the one and only Corice that's C O R E C E wherever you get slay worthy audio. And our graphics are done by the wonderful folks over at Moonhouse Creative, led by the one and only Ashley Wen.
1: Our fantasy singer producer is Laura Swisher, <laughs> and our producer is I'm still working on this. <clears throat> Lorraine Win. <Wynn. laughs> is a production of Maximum Fun. Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Oh, now it's recording. Let's start over. Sorry. Hmm.